Spirit of God, we do invite you to draw us deeper, higher, closer, more in tune with you. And Father, we pray now as we approach your word, God, that we would receive all that you have intended for us. Healing, repentance, strength, courage, faith, whatever it is. Some of us simply need perseverance today. God, whatever you have for us, we pray that we would not block it, but we would receive it gratefully and we would give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. And today we're going to be talking about shepherds, sheep, and showers. Shepherds, sheep, and showers. Some of you had enough of showers lately, I know, but these are good showers. You'll like these showers. Ezekiel chapter 34, we will be looking at um, pretty much uh, this, this whole chapter, but we'll break it up and read a bit at the beginning, and then we'll read some more later on. But at this time, uh, stand with me now as we begin reading uh, Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. Then the message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds. The leaders of Israel, give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals. But you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, and yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord now says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies. And I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. 
I will bring them back to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. And there they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend to the sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word and its power and how it speaks to us today. It is timeless and eternal because we are not reading words of ancient history, but rather the living word of God whose living spirit is here today to speak to us. May we listen, may we learn, may we obey, may we be changed by your word. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser. Most of you know that name. And if you're not sure what it's from, I, it'll only take a little jogging of your memory. He's the doctor that worked with the U.S. Olympics. He is the man who was accused and convicted of horrific acts. Literally hundreds of young women and at least one young man and probably more that out of shame never ever came out and shared their stories have described how this man, this doctor who was placed in a position of trust and care abused the power and authority that was given to him to feed his own lusts his own desires, and selfishly gratified himself while leaving a trail of hundreds of broken lives in his wake. Doctors take the Hippocratic Oath, which says, do no harm. And yet this man operated for two decades constantly harming constantly getting away, and he did it because of his position of power. He did it because he was in a position of trust and said, he knows what he's doing. He's a doctor. He's a good guy. Surely he wouldn't do anything wrong. Surely whatever he's doing is right. Surely they misunderstood or they weren't old enough to understand or it was nothing all that big. And so day after day, year after year, this man carried on horrific acts because he took his position of power and he abused it. Rather than helping, he hurt. Rather than healing, he harmed. God has a word for all those who are in a position and a place of power and authority. He refers to them as shepherds. 
But just in case you're thinking, well, oh, that's, he's just talking about spiritual leaders and priests. The context makes very clear. He's talking about all people who are in a position of power or authority. He talks about the leaders of Israel. He doesn't distinguish between sacred and secular. There is no priestly or profane division here. He is saying all people who are in a position of authority and power have been put in that place to serve. That is why in the New Testament, when Jesus talks to us about the role of government as God speaks through his Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul teaches us that the kings and rulers, governors, and authorities, they are God's ministers, some translations say. Others say they are God's servants to do his will. All of those who are in power or in authority, and that begins even in the home, mom and dad, Grandma, Grandpa, you are in a position of authority because God has put you there. Little league coach, teacher, Sunday school teacher, supervisor, manager, owner, employer, whatever your position of power is, God has put you there to serve people. There used to be a, somewhat of a recognition of this idea that leaders were not there for themselves, they were there for the people. That's why in some countries, they have a prime minister. What does that mean? That the prime minister of England is supposed to be the number one servant. He doesn't take a position so that he can raise himself up above all others. He takes a position of serving all, of leading, of blessing, of helping. And God says, woe, woe to you who have abused this position and power of authority. Whatever your authority is as boss or teacher or parent or any other type of authority out there, it is given by God to uplift his people. It is given to encourage and strengthen and empower. You are blessed to be a blessing. God says where much is given, much is required. And the people of Ezekiel's day they saw the ship sinking. <laughs> they saw this whole thing going down. And you know what their thought was? Let me have fun while I can. I'm not, they're not out there throwing out life vests. They're not getting people to rescue boats. They're saying, how can I enjoy myself while this whole thing falls apart? They were part of the problem and rather the solution. And God wants us to understand that as shepherds in a church, in a school, in your home, in the community, in the government, wherever you are a leader, you have been given that position to serve the flock, to serve those who are under your authority. And God says, you know what? <laughs> you haven't fed them. You haven't fed the flock. You haven't tended to them. You haven't kept up with them. You haven't blessed them. Guess what? You want to get, you want to serve yourself? Guess what? I'm going to serve you, and it's going to be a big old helping of justice. In other words, God's saying, you're going to get a knuckle sandwich from me. You're going to get what's coming to you. You're going to get a taste of my wrath because you have been hurting the downtrodden. downtrodden. You've been trampling over the weak and the helpless. Don't do it. God says, I'm the good shepherd. I love how these verses in Ezekiel, 
if you listen, they're so similar to Psalm 23, where he talks about the good pasture and leading you in good places. Over and over in God's word, he tells us that he is the good shepherd. That while others may abuse us, others may neglect us, others may use us, God is always the good shepherd. And he assures us that justice is coming. It may not be done right now at this minute. You may be wrongly or unjustly suffering, but God says, in the end, these bad shepherds are going to get what's coming to them. And I, the good shepherd, I will take care of you. I will watch over you. So shepherds, whoever you are in whatever position or place of authority you have, even if you got a pet, you know what God says? Did you know the Bible says that a godly man treats his horse right, treats his animal right? All of creation, in the very beginning, Genesis said, I have given you authority to watch over, to care for this world. And God has given us that position as shepherds over all that is under us. The good shepherd is watching. The good shepherd will bring you to a day where you will account for what you've done for those sheep that are under your care. So shepherds, Know that message. Next, we hear about sheep. Look back in your Bible or on the screen as we continue to read from Ezekiel chapter 34. And we'll pick up at verse 17. And he says, As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says to his people. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pastures for yourselves? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must the flock eat what you have trampled down and drink what you have fouled? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and budded and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Fat sheep. Fat, fat sheep. Is God body shaming? Is that what's going on here? Absolutely not. As God describes the, the fat sheep, he's describing those. He's, he said, okay, I've, I've talked about the shepherds, those in positions of power and authority, but what about the everyday Joe or Jane? What about the normal everyday person? Are they not accountable? Is it only the shepherds? Is it only the leaders, those with the title? Are they the only people that are accountable to me for justice? Absolutely not. God says, I'm watching how you sheep deal with your fellow sheep. Do you not only feed, but do you let them feed? Or do you go butt up to the front of the line 
and get a drink of water and muddy that water up good so that when you leave, nobody else gets good pure water. In other words, are you looking out for your fellow man? Are you your brother's keeper? Are you looking out for number one? The society we live in says, look out for yourself because nobody else will. But Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Obviously, we have to take care of ourselves. <laughs> it is true. Unless you are uh, infirm and have to be cared for, probably no one else is going to feed you. But the idea is you don't get so much, you don't go for so much that you exclude other people, that you keep them from doing what they need to be doing. He's talking about selfish human behavior. We just got rid of a dog. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We just got rid of a dog. We'd had two dogs, and they had not gotten along. We'd had a little chihuahua. It was kind of yappy. It was kind of barky. We thought, well, maybe we need to get rid of that. We'll get another dog. Maybe we'll get rid of this one. We got, we got the new dog. It was a Yorkie. It was supposed to be a miniature Yorkie. We got sold something else. I don't know what else was in, in that pile, but because this dog got like this big, okay? And this Yorkie, that was a cute little thing. Some of y'all remember I brought it up here one day at the church. I held it like a baby. It was so cute and precious. Well, this thing became a monster. It started attacking the little chihuahua. And most of you would say a chihuahua deserves it. And I kind of felt that way at first. <clears throat> but this thing was brutal. And you know what would happen every time we, we read the study, you know, look it up on the internet, Google, what do you do with an aggressive animal? And you teach them like you pet them both. You know, you can't just pet one and not the other. And you, and you feed them both kind of in separate areas. Well, well, after they go outside and do their business, we bring them back in and they would both get a treat, right? So everybody should be happy that they got the treat. You got your treat, Lulabelle. Jules, you got your treat. It should be all good, but it wasn't all good. Let me tell you what happened every single time. Lulabelle was a fat sheep. She was a pig. She would gobble down this treat. I mean, just swallow this thing in like five seconds flat. And then here's Jules. Now, she knows Lulabelle's a bully. And so instead of actually eating her treat, she just stands there guarding it. Well, as soon as Lulabelle gets done gobbling her treat, she comes over there and starts attacking it. And then, you know, the barking starts. And, and before long, we're, we're splitting them up. And they're animals, right? And we say, well, they're animals. But you know, sometimes people behave like animals. Sometimes we get so caught up in having our own way and doing our own thing. And sometimes we're purposely selfishful, selfish and hateful, and we just push people aside on purpose. But other times we just get in a hurry. I was at the four-way stop, Bersheba and Mac Davis this morning, and I was pulling in and have you ever gotten that thing where you're driving and it's somewhere you've been so many times that you just kind of go into autopilot? You know, I mean, you're thinking about everything else. And I was thinking about church and the meeting I was late for and my sermon this morning. And, and, and so I go to the four-way and I stop and I pull off. And right as I go, then I think, was it really my turn to go? Uh, you know, because my mind was in autopilot. Was it really my turn? And then right behind me, the, the car that I think maybe I might have cut in front of I'm like, oh, no, that car looks familiar. And so I keep coming down to the church, and I'm like, 
oh no, they're turning in right after me. <laughs> this is bad. I'm going to preach a sermon on loving others and I'm just cut in front of somebody. And, and, and it turns out to be Becky and I see Becky and I, I see her and I say, Becky, I'm so sorry, did, did I cut in front of you? And she said, oh no, it was your turn. And uh, I don't care whether she lied to me. Thank you, Becky. E either way, she made me feel a lot better whether it really was my turn or not. But why did I wonder? Because as much as we try to teach ourselves, hold the door for others, wait for others, let others in, let others go first, when we get busy and we get so focused on our own thing, it's easy to get selfish and self-centered without even realizing it. We can just jump right in front of others and put ourselves first without thinking of anybody else. And God has called us to be so careful. He says, don't be that goat. Don't be that, and not the good goat, young people who think goat greatest of all time is good, the bad kind of goat in the Bible. Don't be that pig. Don't be that selfish one. It says, be the right kind of sheep who cares for the other sheep, for your fellow man. Finally, we read about showers in this chapter. Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning in verse 25. I will make a covenant of peace with my people, and I will drive away the dangerous animals from their land. Then they'll be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill. And in the proper season, I will send you the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. The orchards and fields of my people will yield bumper crops, and everyone will live in safety. And when I've broken their chains of slavery and rescued them from those who enslaved them, then they will know that I am the Lord. They will no longer be prey for other animals, wild animals, for other nations, and wild animals will no longer devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will frighten them. And I will make their land famous for its crops, so my people will never again suffer from the famines or the insults of foreign nations. In this way, they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them. And they will know that they, the people of Israel, are my people, says the sovereign Lord. You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. <clears throat> I will confess, all my life I've sang the hymn, There Shall Be Showers of Blessings. Now, by the way, it's not in our hymn book. It's so weird that some, sometimes things are not in our hymn book, but if you've ever heard that hymn, There Shall Be Showers of Blessings, and it, it just goes on, and I never knew where that came from. And I was reading this week, and somehow I had missed that before. I said, Wow. That wasn't just some guy that made up this idea one day. Showers of blessing, that has a nice ring to it. He actually took it from the Bible. God promised his people. You might be suffering now. You might be <clears throat> suffering unjustly under the hands of those who are abusers, those who are users, those who have mistreated you. Might be your boss, might be your spouse, might be a parent. Who knows who it may be, but someone has mistreated you. But God says, guess what? <clears throat> I've got good things ahead for you. 
There is a hope and there is a future. We get tired sometimes of showers. But guess what? If they predicted a rainfall of $20 bills tomorrow, we'd all be for it. We'd be out there saying, please, we'd be doing a rain dance, you know. Please, Lord, send the rain. Let it rain. And God says, there's showers of blessings. They're coming. But I want to pull something, though, from the hymn. It says, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. In other words, the author of that hymn was telling us, yeah, God says there's this whole rainfall of blessings that are coming, but while we're not looking, there's mercy dropping around us. God's already blessing us in ways that we're not even perceiving because we're looking for this great rainstorm of blessing. And God's already dropping his mercies, his love, and his blessings on us, and we're missing it. It may not be the full load that's coming later on. It might not be the final justice. Everything in your life might not all of a sudden be fixed, but God is doing wonderful things in your life right now. And you and I need to pay attention to those things. Shepherds, be a good shepherd because God will be serving justice one day. Sheep, when you get to the watering hole, don't muddy the waters. Don't make it about an I win and you lose. Make your life's goal to be win, win, to succeed and to bring others forward to succeed as well. And if you are suffering, if you are under injustice in this life, through the legal system, through a relationship, a family member, a situation in life, whatever it is, God says, I'm bringing justice and a shower of blessing is on its way. The cloud's already forming. It's going to happen with 100% accuracy. Your shower is coming, but while you're waiting, don't miss the mercy drops that are already falling in your life. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for what you are showing us in the book of Ezekiel, for reminding us that we are accountable to you for how we follow your word and how much we love you, but God, you care deeply about how much we love our fellow man. Are we good Samaritans? Are we good neighbors? Do we really love others and care for them? Are we fat sheep who push everybody out of the way while they're starving? God, open our eyes to the needs of those around us. Make us compassionate and caring for those who are suffering, whether it be physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, those who are grieving. God, help us to care for all those who are in need of a touch from you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.